Amen? One person's miracle is another person's not miracle. Amen? So I want to encourage us. Let's find out what does God want to see at these altars. If you need a miracle, and before I get started, let's welcome our online visitors that guests this morning. God bless you. Everybody give them a big hand, those that are joining us online today. We're excited that you're at West Houston Christian Center this morning. I'm Pastor Jack C., the executive pastor, and we're excited. You are not watching us by accident this morning, and we want to welcome you into this sanctuary. Get your Bible. Get your notebook. Take good notes. There's going to be some links uh, that you can follow to get to our website. Leave a comment. I had someone leave a comment. They emailed. They watched one of the services, and uh, she ended it like this. She said, that Pastor Jack sure is goofy, but you can tell that he loves God. And after I thought about it a second, I said, guilty on both charges. Amen. Guilty on both charges. She was watching Faith School. So we want to thank you for joining us online this morning. But if you need a miracle this morning, especially a miracle of healing, I want to encourage you. There is going to be an atmosphere for the miraculous in our services, but there is a healing class every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And it is vital that you have your faith built in the area of your healing. And that goes for you too online this morning. If you're needing healing, we would love just to lay hands on everyone and that would be the end of it. But Jesus preached and he taught and he healed. So it's important that we build our faith in these areas so that when hands are laid on me, come on everybody, as hands are laid on me, I'm already ready to receive everything that God has for me. Amen? I don't want to just take it and not be able to hold on to it. Amen? There are many different ways that God heals. Sometimes healing is progressive. Jesus, say Jesus, Jesus. laid hands on a blind man. And the man, and Jesus said, what do you see? And he says, I see men walking around as trees. And Jesus laid hands on him again. His healing was progressive. Amen. There are so many ways in which healing will come, but it's important for us to build our faith. Amen. Amen. So I want to encourage you nine o'clock in this room, right behind the sanctuary, the fellowship hall. We have a great healing class. Come build your faith. There will be an atmosphere for miracles in our services. And when pastor or myself or someone says, if you need a miracle, be ready. Amen. You be ready. You be full of faith and you be ready for hands to be laid on you and you will receive what you're believing for. Amen. Amen. Say this. Healing Healing. always comes. comes. It always comes. Well, I'm excited about this morning. I consider it an honor and a privilege. I thank my parents for giving me the opportunity to share this morning. Thank you. Yes, 53 tomorrow. Amen. 53. I say with with a birthday on April Fool's Day and a last name of Pigeon... I had to bulk up a lot as a young man. Amen? I had to bulk up a lot. So um, I appreciate my parents. they giving me the opportunity to share. I appreciate my wife, Michelle. Michelle, stand up. Let everybody see you. Amen? My pretty wife, Michelle. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and this is how I kind of came into the things of God and the kingdom of God. See, I got saved 27 years ago, February of 1992. Showed up at my parents' house. I was as high as a kite. Uh, remember, did you see the guy with the long hair? Yeah, he was quite the character back in the day. He had some issues. Say issues. He had some issues back in the day. And I had a lot of addictions in my life. 
And uh, I knew what was right and I knew what was wrong, but I chose to go after the wrong crowd. Amen. And I got involved in a lot of things and had to get delivered of a lot of things. But February of 1992, I got wonderfully and beautifully saved. Amen. 27 years ago, I've spent more of my life saved than I haven't, which I'm excited about. And so um, as I got saved and I got brought into West Houston Christian Center, this is the church that I got saved in. And uh, it was part of my healing and part of my deliverance was discipleship. And everything that we try and do at West Houston Christian Center is based on discipleship. Amen. This, this room is an altar and a classroom. Every Sunday and every Tuesday when I come, I want to treat this room as an altar, as what my mom just did, for prayer, for us to bring things, for us to meet God. Amen. But it's also a classroom. And it is, it is the information, it is what we need to grow as born-again, spirit-filled people. Amen? If all we had to do was ever get saved, then the, the New Testament would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Revelation. All of those letters in the middle that Paul wrote and Peter wrote were letters on how we are to live as believers in the earth. So it's important for us to take notes, to bring a Bible, to write things down. I was reading the book of Exodus this morning. Have you ever read Exodus at six o'clock on a Sunday morning? But you know what? God showed me something. I want to share it with you real quick. Exodus 23.2 has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking about this morning. But it will. I'm sure God will he'll find a way. But I just thought, you know what, that's a word for in season for where we are right now. Exodus chapter 23, verse 2, and it just simply says, You shall not follow a crowd to do evil. That was in the law. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil. There are a lot of people that are following a lot of crowds and they don't know who the leader of that crowd is and that it's evil. We as believers, we need to know who's leading us. There is so much slick packaging and slick media and, 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 and statements and things that get us drawn into things and we find out I'm not supposed to be mixed up in that thing at all. It's leading me to evil. So I want to know who my leaders are. And I want to hold my leaders to a higher standard. I don't want just them to, you know, be just sort of all right. I want them to exemplify what the Bible calls godly character. And I want to follow men and women of integrity. I want to follow men and women of their word. I want to follow men and women who actually will do what they say that they're going to do. And not look at me and lie to my face just to get my vote or my attention. Amen? We need to hold our leaders to a higher standard. All right, so let's talk about what we want to talk about today. This is one of my favorite things. When I got born again and I got saved and I was getting discipled, one of the first things that God did with me is he got me to get involved in my local church. Part of my healing and part of my deliverance was in my serving. So many of you know this story. I, you know, was out of the, I had been working in clubs and bars and stuff in San Marcos when I came back to Houston, and then I was working for a pest control company of all things. It really bugged me. It was terrible. <laughs> the jokes are only going to get worse, so you might want to laugh at the ones up front, okay? Yeah, anyway. So, um, 
I got saved and I know that I needed a place to serve. I knew that part of my healing and part of my deliverance is I needed to reestablish and be a part of some new things. I had some old habits that I was used to doing. So God, they put me in the sound booth. 27 years ago, when we were across the, the parking lot over here in the old building, they put me in the sound booth. I knew nothing about sound. There was one button they let me turn up and down. I had one job, one lever. But man, I did that lever with all that I could. Up and down, up and down. But it made me come to practice once a week. It made me be here early on Sundays. It made me be here early on Tuesdays. And as many of us know, when we're transitioning out of the world into the kingdom of God, we lose all of our friends. And now we're trying to build new relationships and stuff. And you know what? Sometimes you don't want to go to the new thing. I don't know anybody there. I don't fit. I don't belong. And so being involved and bringing my supply, it made me be here. And when those times when maybe I was wavering, I knew that someone was depending on me. And because I knew someone was depending on me, I, I showed up. And it started building faithfulness into me. And it started building faith into me. And I would not be standing here today, I guarantee you, had I not gone to that sound booth 27 years ago. It was part, it's been 27 years from that booth to this pulpit. 27 years from that soundboard to this pulpit. And I'm thankful for every moment of it. I was allowed to work with the youth. I was allowed to work with the children. I was an usher. I was a greeter. I was part of men's ministry. Whatever I needed to do, God put me in, in it so that I could help be connected to the body. Now, folks, let me tell you this. I had no idea there was ministry in me. None of that had anything to do with ministry. I was just a believer. It was not until I put my hand to the plow. It was not until I developed faithfulness. It was not until I got disciplined did a call of ministry come out of that. Hear me this morning. Amen. There are a lot of you in this room that you know that there's more in you. And you're frustrated because you don't know how to get it out. And I'm just here to show you this morning that you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. You need to put your hand to the plow. God only works with things that are moving. God is not going to show up at your house, come up to your couch, take the remote control out of your hand, and invite you to come participate in his kingdom. He's waiting for you at your place of service, and I'm going to prove that to you this morning. Amen? So, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. For as in one physical body we have many parts, organs, and members, and all of these parts do not have the same function or use, so we numerous as we are are one body. Say one body. In Christ the Messiah and individually we are parts of another mutually dependent upon one another. Each one of us in this room, we are all members of the same body. Amen? We need each other. Look at the person next to you and say, I need you. Look at the other person and say, you need me. We are mutually, and this is something that I, I, I just think that we've kind of missed the revelation of. We are all members of the same body. We need each other. 
And when one part of the body is not producing or bringing its supply, it causes other members of the body to have to compensate for it. Amen? What if because your lungs decided not to work, your heart said, well, I'm going to have to work 10 times harder to make up for what that part of the body's not doing? A lot of men, we would understand with this. If your brain's not working, your kidneys, are they going to kick it in extra strength to make sure that it does? Sometimes it feels like that, amen? But I'm saying, for your physical body to work the way that God created it to, to work in perfect harmony and perfect peace, each part, each organ, each member of this body is bringing its supply for the betterment of the whole body. And when we bring our supply, when we bring what God has given us, then we in turn get blessed We're healthy, we're strong. Why is that? Because I'm functioning in my purpose and in the way in which God created me. I'm gonna have perfect peace. My heart is in perfect peace. You know why? Because it's pumping the blood the way that it's supposed to. That blood's going everywhere. Amen, there's no issues, there's no problems. Every part of my body is operating the way in which God created it to. Well, in our body, in order for this church to grow, in order for this church to be where God wants us to be, Each one of us, you are a vital organ at West Houston Christian Center. How many of you this morning got up and chose which liver you were going to bring to church today? How many of you decided and said, you know, I think I'll bring that central nervous system. It looks good with this purse, so I will wear that one today. Do we have any extra parts on our body? Did God make us with a bunch of spares? No. Okay, we're going to talk about wisdom teeth when we get to heaven. Don't understand the use for them. Why do I have them? Anyway, I'll ask God that when I get there. But there are no extra parts. Each part, say each part, is vital. It's vital. You are vital to the body of Jesus Christ. My body parts each morning don't decide which ones are going to turn on and which ones don't. My body parts each morning don't decide which ones are going to stay home today and which ones are going to go to church. That would be disgusting. (laughs) A lot of us, our brains, they want to stay home. Amen? My body, in order for me to be here, everything had to show up and everything had to bring its supply. Amen? This body is no different. You are a vital organ at West Houston Christian Center. You have something to give, and in your giving, you will receive what you need in order to perfect you and make you what God has called you to be. Amen? Each one of us, as a member or part of the body of WHCC, has a function or a supply in this body. Each member brings their supply so the whole body can live. Each one of us is dependent on each other. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. For because of him, the whole body, the church, and all its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied, when each part with a power adapted to its need is working properly in all its functions, grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. Now think about this. When God gives us our supply, he empowers you and gifts you to do everything that he's called you to do. 
A lot of times when we start talking about helping around the church or serving, maybe we start talking about children's ministry. Amen? All of a sudden the room gets deathly quiet. And we start using these really, really cool phrases like, well, pastor, I don't feel led. We get super spiritual. I, don't, I have a check about that. I don't have an unction. We start using all of our Christian jargon. It's amazing to me, and I've said this before, how people who tell me that they cannot hear God for themselves, when you talk to them about children's ministry, all of a sudden it's like he's in the room. It's like he's standing right there. Oh, no, 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 no. God just said no. Mm, no, nay, nay, nay. Let that pass from me. Amen? When you choose of your own free will to bring your supply and serve in your local body, God in turn graces you, he powers you, he equips you, and he anoints you to do whatever it is that you've been called to do. You don't have to do it in your own strength. You do have to get up and get out of your comfort zone, though. You do have to decide that for the sake of the body, I will bring my supply. There are a million places to serve at West Houston Christian Center. There are ushers, there's greeters, there's childcare, there's hospitality. All those wonderful things. All of those positions are not positions in order for you to come work for the church. They are places of promotion and blessing and advancement for you. That's where your blessing is. That's where your growth is. That's where promotion is. Promotion is not in here. It's down with the three-year-olds right now who are having a fun time right now, eating goldfish, vanilla wafers, crawling around on the floor. They're having a ball this morning. Amen? Each one of us is a vital organ in the body of WHCC. Each organ or person is graced with the power that it needs. In order for this body to grow, each person, we need to bring our supply. Where's Barbara? Come here, Barbara. Barbara is Steve's wife. Everybody know Steve Harmon? Steve, praise God, I need a microphone. I was going to use Steve this morning, but you know what? Steve's so healthy and well, he's working this morning at Pele Pele. Now, if everybody knows Steve, uh, Steve, you know that Steve has been dealing with a kidney disease for his whole life, and uh, we were really believing God for a new kidney for Steve. Amen. And so I wanted Barbara to share. I know what Steve was like before he had a kidney when he was doing dialysis, and I know him now. But as the wife, give me two seconds on what Steve was like before he had a kidney and what he's like after having a kidney. Before, he was tired. There was a lot of fatigue. Um, And he just has a lot more energy now that he has one, a vital organ. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, sounds redundant, but... um, he was on dialysis, um, which I always say is if you're going to lose an organ, a kidney would be the one because there's treatments to do what the kidney would do inside the body, whereas you don't really have that in other organs. You can't artificially pump your blood like a heart or something, but you can artificially filter your blood through dialysis. But it's, it's a hard thing to do. It's hard to go to dialysis three times a week. It's three hours long um, every time you go, and it's hard to have you know, that nine to five job. And so you're having to work, Amen. you know, late or early or work around this dialysis treatment. And so life before was all about dialysis. And now it's freedom. 
really. Amen. It's freedom to go on vacations, things you don't think about. Like you can't, it's not easy to go on vacation when you have dialysis because it's not easy to find a facility or just small things like that that really changed our family dynamic. Amen. Uh, the job. freedom. So. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So that's a vital organ. Now I'm going to go even a little bit deeper because Steve worked with us for a little while. Your kidneys, they um, regulate all of your moods, all of your emotions. Now, you wouldn't think that the kidney was that vital of an organ, but Steve would be incredibly moody before that. He would be high, and then he would go incredibly low because he didn't have that vital organ to help regulate the rest of his body. Now that he has it, He's working, he's got a job, he's nine to five, he's consistent, he's happy. Why is that? So do you see how important this little bitty kidney, what if you're the kidney for this church? What if we've been on dialysis for years and you're the vital organ, the kidney? And maybe you're just the part that works with our seven-year-olds one Tuesday night a month and that's the part that we're missing that's going to help regulate everything else in here. See, what we do is, is we think that our supply is not, it doesn't matter. What I bring, it's so small, it's really not going to make a difference. Folks, each, there are no extra parts in the body. There's only one kidney. There's only one mouth. There's only one brain. There's only one and if we choose not to bring it, then the whole body suffers and we don't grow into what God wants us to be. It's not up to God as to whether we grow. It's up to us. God is not going to wave a magic wand over this body and all of a sudden we're going to double. Our body is going to grow when each part of the body brings its supply. Do you notice there's diversity in this room? Do you see how much diversity is in this room? Think about your body. There is so much diversity in your body. No two parts are alike. They're so different. They don't look alike. They don't act alike. They don't function alike. They don't sound alike. None of them are alike. But yet they all work together for the common goal of the body. You do not have to lay down your individuality to be part of the body. You don't have to give up who you are and what you are to bring your supply. No, 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 we want it. I want your culture in our church. I want your history. I want all that in this body. We need it. Amen? It doesn't make you less. It makes you more. Each one of us has a vital part in this body. Amen? Vital part in this body. Ephesians 4.25 it says, therefore, rejecting all falsity and being done with it, let everyone express the truth with his neighbor, for we are all part of one body and members one of another. Anything that happens to this body, good or bad, affects the whole body. Why does the Bible say don't lie to a neighbor? Because you're part of the same body. Because when you lie to the body, you're really lying to yourself. Because you are part of the body. One part of the body can't do something to another part of the body and not feel the repercussions for what they've done. Did you ever think about that? We are all part. I cannot hit my pinky with a hammer and not feel it all over my body. 
One part of the body affects the other part of the body. Amen? So it's vital that we treat the body, treat your body like his body. I'm not going to lie to you. Why? Because I'm not going to lie to me. I'm not going to try and poison you because I'm not poisoning me. When I get offended at you, it's me drinking the poison hoping you get sick. I want to take care of the body. Amen? Because I am saying, we are all, believe it or not, we are all in this together. My cells, if something happens to my body, the cells that are okay aren't just going to leave my body when I die. No, no, we're going down with the ship. Everything that was good or bad is going down with the ship. Amen? And we are all part one of another. We are all mutually dependent on each other. Philippians 1.19. For I am well assured and indeed know that through your prayers and a bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, this will turn out for my preservation for the spiritual health and welfare of my own soul. Each one of us has a supply of the Spirit that we bring to this body. And as I said a few minutes ago, when you got born again, God graced you with gifts, with callings, with talents and anointings to do certain things in this body. Certain things. But the only way that I'm going to be able to express that or get into that is if I put my hand to the plow and start doing something. God only works with things that are moving. He doesn't move with things that are stationary. He doesn't act on things that are stationary. He's looking for something that's already moving, and he jumps on top of it to keep it going. Amen? So each one of us, each one of us has a supply of the Spirit that we're to bring. Philippians 2.13. Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating you in the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction in delight. He will supply all the power. There's a grace. There's a grace for you to serve. There's a grace for you to get involved. There's a supply. There's even a power. God will empower you to do whatever it is that you put your hand to do, but you've got to put your hand to something and able for it to work. Amen? Maybe you've never thought about being an usher or a greeter or in hospitality or in children's work or media. But you know what? You have no idea what's waiting on the other side of your obedience. There's a power. There are things, there are missing parts in this body that I know are supposed to take us to the next level. And guess what? It's already in this room. It's like the pastor that got up and said they were believing God for a building. And he says, I have good news today and I have bad news. All the money we're believing for has come in for the building. Everybody gets excited. Then he says, the bad news, it's still in your pockets. <laughs> Everything that we need is here. This evangelism arm with, with Vincent and Jessica, we are stepping out and we are getting out of our four walls and we are getting into our community. We are claiming the West Chase District for West Houston Christian Center. It's ours. We've been here for 30 years. And we are taking them one apartment complex at a time. Amen? That is what we're doing. But you know what? we got to have a supply to help people. There are people, when Vincent talks about it, can you not help but want to get inspired and want to go do it like right now? I'm like, forget church. Let's just go to the apartment complex now. Let's just go knock on doors. 
It inspires us. That part of the body's like, oh, I now have a way to express myself. So as there are opportunities, use your supply. Amen. Put it to work. Miracles will show up. Miracles will show up at that apartment complex. Miracles. Why is that? Because you're just following Jesus and doing what he told you to do. Amen. Everybody doing okay? Going too fast? Now listen, it is our faith and our faithfulness in our place of service that will bring us promotion, deliverance, and blessing. It is your faith and your faithfulness to your place of service. And I know I've gone over some of these people before, but I have some new ones. And I just want to show you, when God goes to look for someone to use, he's looking for someone that is already doing something. Okay? Every time. Now, I challenge you. Prove me wrong. Find one person in the Bible that God ever used that wasn't doing something when God found him. Name one. I cannot find one person in the Bible that was not. Even Jesus had a job. Adam had a job. They all had jobs. They were all doing something. Not any of them were sitting on their blessed assurance. Sorry, online. I, yeah. Goofy. Goofy. Goofy, goofy, goofy. King David. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 11. Does everybody know the story of King David before he became? You know how he became King David? Saul, they're at Samuel. They're looking for a new king for Israel. So God tells Samuel to go to Jesse's house. And this is David and all of his brothers. So Samuel goes. They, Jesse brings out all of his sons. And they all walk before Samuel. And they're looking for the next king. You talk, is that promotion? I mean, they are, they are, the prophet is at your house. He is looking for the next king of Israel. Looking. And all the sons pass by. And, and Samuel says, none of these are the one. Do you have another one? And Jesse goes, yes, I have one more, but he's at work right now. He was at his place of service tending his father's few sheep. God wasn't looking for a show pony. God was looking for someone who was faithful and obedient. So David's promotion wasn't in the house. It was in the pasture. It went to his place of service. Amen? His blessing was not in the sanctuary. It was in his place of service. Elisha. Does everybody know what Elisha was doing when Elijah found him? He was plowing his parents. He had 12 yokes of oxen. He was as far away from mom and dad's house up by the road. I've never plowed with oxen, but to have 12 of them? Oh my gosh. That's a whole lot of plowing going on. Amen? And so where did the prophet show up? At his place of service. Elijah showed up where Elisha was plowing. Didn't go to Elisha's house. Didn't go check with mom and dad. He went to the place where he was serving. He went to the place where he was working. He went to his place of service and he took off his mantle and he threw it on him. What if he decided to stay home that day? What if he would have decided, man, I've been, I've been plowing for years. Mom and dad, I'm done. He could have missed his opportunity for promotion and for blessing. 
Peter and Andrew, Matthew chapter 418. Jesus, how many of us would like to work for Jesus? Where did Jesus go to find men to follow him? He went to the beach to where they were taking care of the ships and the nets. He went to men that were fishermen that already had a little bit of an understanding of about what he wanted them to do. They were already being trained in their place of service for his ministry. See, what we miss sometimes is we think when we're just serving at the church that it's one-dimensional. No, 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 it's ten-dimensional. God is trying to prepare you. God is trying to instill some things in you. God is trying to show you because what you're going to take, even if it's just developing faithfulness and showing up on time, you're going to now take that to the next thing that he wants you to do. See, it's not always about watching the kids. It's about our attitude and it's about learning to be on time and it's learning about being teachable. But see, we just think it's all about just taking care of the kids. Yes, it's about taking care of the kids, but what is God doing in you, preparing you for that next step? A lot of us aren't going to the next step because we haven't been prepared. He's got big things for us, but I haven't learned how to be faithful in a few things so he can make me ruler over much. Amen? There are no parts of the body that are excluded from helping. There's no part. There's no justification for any part of the body not helping. We should all, we all have a supply of the Spirit to bring. We each have a supply. Now, the woman at the well, and this is a new one. Jesus, uh, in John 4, 4 through 24, Jesus is uh, with his disciples and they're traveling and uh, they are going past um, one of the cities. What were the northern cities? I'm sorry, the Samaritan cities were. And so Jesus stops at a well and his disciples go on to go look for food. And along comes a woman to a well. Now, this woman put the fun in dysfunction. She was dysfunctional. She was a believer. She knew about God. She'd been raised in church, but she'd been married five times, and the guy she was with now was not her husband. Where did Jesus show up to bring deliverance to this woman? At a well, her place of service. Think about that for a second. There are so many of us that when we come to church, we need healing, we need deliverance, and we're wanting someone just to come lay hands on us and say some prayer, and then all of a sudden, that'll fix everything. And this woman got up, took her jar, and went to the well to her place of service, and that's where Jesus was waiting. A lot of times, our healing and our deliverance is not in the sanctuary, it's in our serving it is part of the process of us getting healed. Amen? It's part of the process of us getting delivered. It took me three years to get free from drugs. Three years of discipleship. Three years before I got free. And when I stopped, I stopped. I never went back. I had a little bit of a mess up about six months later. But you know what I mean? Once I got free, I got free from drugs. Once I got free, I got free from alcohol. Once I got free from pornography, I got free from pornography. I got free from it. Amen? And it took serving on a regular basis to help get me delivered and change the way that I thought. Because once I got rid of all the symptoms, then God could deal with my heart as to why I was doing all those things to start with. Part of your healing and part of your deliverance is not coming for counseling. It's help pick up a table, serve in hospitality, 
Be an usher. Be a greeter. Get your mind off of you and get it on somebody else. Quit looking just at you. You have a supply to bring. Amen? Each one of us has a supply to bring. One more? We good? This is a good one. Who's believing God to get married? Nobody? One hand. Two hands. Just, it's fun. Just do it. Just go for it. It's good. There you go. Amen. We have some folks that are believing to get married. So, Abraham is getting old, and Abraham is needing a bride for his son Isaac. So he empowers the servant to go find Isaac a bride. Where did the servant go to find the bride? He went to the well, a place of service. He prayed, and when he prayed, before he could finish speaking, Rebecca came out with a water jar on her arm. The blessing showed up at her place of service. It didn't come knock on the door. You want to get married? You get busy for God. You start running as fast as you can for God. And after you're running for a while, look next to you and see if there's anybody else keeping up with you. We're running at the same speed. Amen? And make eye contact. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? You get busy running for God and your spouse will show up. Your place of blessing will show up. Amen? It happened for me. Amen? 20, almost 23 years of marriage. Amen? Because Michelle and I were both running after God and then we ran into each other. Amen? Each one of us has a supply. Now, I've tricked you this morning. <laughs> Uh, there are now tables outside in the foyer that were not there when you came in this morning. And behind those tables are leaders and helpers in our helps ministry here at the church. Amen. And so I want to encourage you today. If you're part of hospitality, this is specific for you. If you already feel like you've already signed up for hospitality, I'm going to ask you to sign up again for Miss Pansy's sake because we've had a lot of turnover. Miss Michelle, um, we've had a lot of our um, single moms leave and they had a lot of kids. And that has created some holes in our children's ministry right now. I want to encourage each and every one of us, if you are not, see the sweat coming off of some of y'all right now? It's amazing. I mean, you are looking for the door right now. You're like, if I could just get out of here. Each one of us has a supply of the Spirit and each one of us there's a place for you of ministry. There's ushers, there's greeters, there's hospitality, there's media. And in any of our platform ministry, they come out of those ministries. No one comes directly from the congregation up on the platform. Amen? Those are all introductory levels. We have some policies at West Houston Christian Center in our children's department. A, we're going to do a background check on you. That's just the times and signs. That's where we live right now. But also, if you are bringing children on a regular basis to West Houston Christian Center, then you're our first line of defense in our children's ministry. We will ask you to serve a minimum of once a month in our children's ministry. Amen? That is the policy of the church. But what really blesses us is when you that don't have any children or your children are already gone, when you decide to come serve, man, when that anointing kicks in, that grandmother anointing kicks in, that aunt anointing kicks in, those kids, how many of those kids run into this room? They can't wait to see their teachers. They can't wait to see Miss Michelle. Can't wait to see them. 
because she knows she's got a hug and graham crackers for them as soon as they get there. <laughs> Amen? I am imploring you this morning. You have a supply of the Spirit. And there's a place for you of ministry at West Houston Christian Center. So as you are leaving the sanctuary this morning, you are going to have to walk by those tables. <laughs> and I'm not guilting you into anything unless that's what it's going to take to get some names on those pieces of paper. Amen. But each one of us, there's none of us that are excluded. In your healing, your deliverance, everything about you, everything about your growth has everything to do with you putting your hands to the plow. You want to say anything? Okay, we're good. I love you. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet.